Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. Today in the studio. Hi, this is Robert Reich. I just finished recording the audiobook of The Common Good. The Common Good is about the obligations we owe one another, the duties we owe each other as members of the same society. I wrote The Common Good because we're living in an incredibly stressful and cynical and narcissistic era. It's not just Donald Trump. Donald Trump is sort of the culmination of years of businesses and politicians and the leaders of other organizations and many people just seeking wealth and power as the ends, and very personal, very selfish ends. Greed is and has become almost good. And many young people don't remember an America that I am privileged to remember where this was not the case. I was inspired to write the book uh, really by my childhood heroes. I mean, I, I had some wonderful teachers in elementary school and in high school who drummed into my head. This was a little public elementary school, a little public high school near the Hudson Valley in New York, but they drummed into my head the notion that we all have responsibilities as citizens. We all have, have to make the country better. And then I came under the spell, and I don't mean spell in a negative way, I, I mean in a very positive way, of Robert F. Kennedy and of others of that era, Martin Luther King Jr., people who embodied the notion that America really did have ideals that were central to its identity, ideals that had been handed down to us over the ages, that changed, obviously, from time to time, but that really represented the best of American patriotism, that patriotism was not simply about singing the national anthem and saluting the flag, but patriotism was about committing oneself to these ideals and sacrificing for those ideals. Patriotism was about giving of yourself to making sure that other people had opportunities, that people who were not as well off could get ahead. Patriotism was about inclusion. It wasn't about exclusion. It was about inclusion. That's what I, I took for granted from my teachers and Robert F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King and others. And over the last 50 years have seen that framework, that view of the world quietly, gradually, almost disappear. Narrating the audiobook was, was hard. It's a book that I want people to read slowly and to think about. And so as I read it, I had to read it more slowly than I normally read, obviously, to make it understandable, but also read it in a way that I wanted people to hear it slowly and hear it in a way that they could think about the words I was using. So it was not how I would normally read a book you know, to a child or to a friend. It was really how I would read to somebody that is my deepest and closest acquaintance and who I really want to share my views with in a very, very personal way. I realized I had trouble pronouncing a lot of words that I just took for granted I knew how to pronounce. I mean, for example, you know, the, the word quaint. Now, you would think, after all these years, I'm 71 years old, and I've used quaint 
a lot of times, but I mispronounced it when I was reading it. I'm excited for listeners to hear about what a very different philosophy of life and citizenship and participation in a society can be and should be, and really a positive view of how we can restore a public spiritedness, which seems to be so far removed from our daily life and what you read in the news every day. I want this to be an uplifting book. I want it to be a positive book. I'm excited for listeners to respond to it positively. If I wasn't going to record my own audiobook, well, let's see. Who would I cast? Um, I'd love to have Abraham Lincoln read it. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to get him. He's in great demand. And um, as far as I can put together historically, he had a very high, squeaky voice, which ironically made what he said even more profound. I can't exactly explain it, and obviously I've never heard Lincoln. I don't think there were any recording instruments then. But people who were Lincoln's contemporaries talked about how his high, rather, again, squeaky voice, when he read things and read them slowly, like the Gettysburg Address or his speech to the Lyceum, gave the words themselves a kind of new meaning. So that's my ideal. Uh, Abe, if you can, please do give it a read. I have very fond memories of being read to as a child. My mother and other relatives often read to me before I could read and instilled in me a kind of love of books, love of ideas, love of reading, love of words. I remember that I, at the age of, oh, how far back does memory go? Probably around three, was not yet able to write I could read a few words, but I remember writing basically scribbles. I mean, they weren't really words. They were scribbles. And I ran up to my mother and said, I have written my first book. And she took a look at it and she laughed. I felt rather let down. But I remember that because I, on the basis of her reading to me, wanted to write something that other people would read. I read to my two sons when they were little boys. They're now grown men, but I loved reading stories to them. I loved reading anything to them, usually bedtime, you know, very much what parents do. But there was something so intimate. I mean, just having them sometimes both cuddled up around me and their heads on my shoulder and my reading a story to them, well, I guess words fail me, I mean, in terms of how wonderful and how warm and how fabulous that was. I do it with my granddaughter now, not often enough. I don't see her often enough, but that's something that I prize. The only advice I would have to other narrators, upcoming narrators, is to think hard about what they are actually saying and to whom they're saying it. In other words, it's not just simply a matter of reading out loud. It's a matter of actually being in the thought, being inside the sentences. And that doesn't necessarily come naturally. I work hard at it. I don't think I do it particularly well, but it's something that I think that narrators do have to work at. I've written a number of books and I've done audiobooks. 
One time, I chose not to do it. I suggested that the publisher find somebody else to read the book. And I regret that very much. There's something that is so intimate about reading your own words and hoping that those words fall upon ears that are hearing how you think, how you read, what you are actually feeling when you're reading. I can't imagine something that is more intimate than that. That, to me, is what an audiobook is all about, should be all about. It's a great privilege. It's a great privilege to read your own words and to read them, hopefully, to somebody who is eager to hear them. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening.